Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. All right. I am super excited today to have my good buddy, Gene Messenger, on with me. Gene, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Gene is a, you know, you're a legend, right? In our, in our little world. Well, maybe a legend in my own mind. No, no, but no, but in all seriousness, I remember, well, we've known each other for a while now, but I remember you became like legend to me when you bought like four Omnicams at CERC 27 and a half. And then I'm like, okay, so maybe he has an associate and stuff. And I'm like, you're by yourself. You got four Omnicams. I was like, oh, legend. So, um, but so Gene, we'll talk about that in a minute. You live in Massachusetts. I think every time I see you, I ask you if you're in Boston, how far from Boston you are. So where exactly do you live? And t- tell me about the area and talk about your practice. Uh, I'm about three and a half hours away from Boston. I'm about three and a half hours away from New York City. And I'm about three, hour, three and a half hours away from Montreal. Okay. I'm about five minutes from Vermont and about 10 minutes from New York City. Okay. Up in the mountains. Uh, so you're in rural Massachusetts? Very rural, uh, uh, in the Berkshires. What's uh, the name of the city exactly? North Adams. North Adams, Massachusetts. Yep. And how big is the city? Well, it's shrinking. Uh, it's probably about 12,000 people now. Okay. Yeah. Surrounding community uh, with Williamstown and uh, Adams and Savoy, Cheshire, uh, probably... 40,000 total. Okay, so your catch area is probably about 40,000, 50,000 people. Yeah. All right. So how'd you end up there? Well, let's see. I got out of dental school and I went... To if you don't mind sharing, what year did you graduate dental school? Graduated from the University of Tennessee in 1991. So you've been practicing 25 years now. All right. So you got out of dental school in 1991 from Tennessee. Went to uh, South Jersey and I was working with uh, someone that my wife had known, but I was too type A and... Yeah, I kind of took over the practice, and he says, oh, I didn't want to stop this fast. So I ended up working for a big company. I worked at three of their centers. I've always worked six days a week. So that was in Jersey you did this? That was in, yeah. I worked in Vineland, in Cherry Hill, and Blackwood, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, worked there for about two and a half years and realized that it was time for me to buy my own practice because I was getting paid actually less than what a hygienist got paid, and I was very productive. I was the director of three different centers and wasn't getting all the things that they promised. So I went uh, on a board where someone sells dental practices, and I said, look, I don't care if I live above it, below it, next door to it, or under it. I said, but I want my own practice. And so 
I looked at about 40 practices uh, in the Northeast because I like to ski and uh, ended up to where I found one that I fell in love with, was an old Victorian building. And uh, went there, had, didn't have the money to buy it straight out. So I was supposed to be an associate for two years and then I was going to buy out after two years. After I was there for about six months, the dentist said, I want out, you got to buy now. So, and this is this is in North Adams. This is in North Adams. It was a tiny little practice. Uh, it had two dentists, and back then it probably did about two hundred twenty thousand dollars a year total. A year, a year. And this was like two thousand four. No, nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Ended up to where I bought the. Dude, practice. how did they justify two dentists at that? The dentist that owned it, he just didn't work much, so he would go in just to collect a paycheck. Okay. Ended up to where I got in there, and uh, he wanted to work for me, and I told him no. Uh, it was a, let's just say it was a relationship that when it came to an end, it needed to come to an yeah. end. Yeah. But it ended up to where... Isn't uh, all, aren't all relationships like that, If you look when you look back? Yeah. That's not my way I treat people. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not about, not about treating people, but yeah. if you ever look back, you're like, yeah, I dragged that out a little bit longer than I should have. Yeah. You know, almost everything in life is that way. So, 94... You started working as an associate after three years of being associate in, in Jersey. Yeah. You went to this, you found this associateship in North Adams. Yeah. You were going to plan on being there a couple of years before you bought in, six months in. Hey, I want to leave. Time for you to buy in. He basically told me that if I didn't buy it, he was going to put it back on the market. And I had doubled the practice in six months. Okay. I said, I said that's not right. But anyways, I ended up coming up with the money, bought them out, and... From then, in about five years, it went from two hundred and twenty to we did about a million dollars. Okay. After how'd you make that happen? Uh, well, first, I worked a lot more hours than he did. He worked three days a week. I worked six days a week, okay. and I wanted to be available. If I, I found out if I was available when other doctors were closed, I would get business. I took care of every emergency. I took care of every patient. Basically making it to where if I was accessible and I was available, then it worked. And then I opened up my own uh, dental lab because turnaround time for getting crowns back or dentures from the labs was six to eight weeks. So I ended up hiring a guy from Florida who had worked in a lab down south. He came up to work for me. I, I guaranteed him a salary based on what he showed me he could do, but ended up to where right. it didn't work out really well. And I thought, well, I can waste $100,000 on... On that, let me buy one of these Sarek machines. So I bought a Sarek 2. So let's back up for a second. So you found the value in controlling your restorative outcomes, technically, in in a sense, before you had technology, by having your own in-house lab. Right. Okay, because you wanted faster. I wanted faster, better color matches. Okay. If I had the technician right there, you'd think... All of that should be better. Should be better. Okay. Let's just say it was a really good learning experience having the lab there. At one point, I had about eight people working in the lab. We actually took care of about 15 dentists in the area because there was a need for right. a lab. Needless to say, it taught me a couple of things. Not everybody really cared how good their crown preps were. Right. And two, it made me realize after he had been there for a little bit that I really was glad when I closed the lab. Okay. It was hard to lose the money that I put into it. But at the same time, it pushed me into buying my first area. Okay. And what year was this? That was 1997 or 8. Okay. So that would have been Sarek 2? Yeah, Sarek 2. 
Okay, so that's where the milling machine's like built onto the it thing. It was built on with a diamond disc. <laughs> okay. And, um, that's when Zarek didn't fit, essentially. No. And then I did a lot of my training with uh, Dr. Rich Basic. Okay. Uh, out in San Diego. Out in San Diego. And uh, he was a fantastic mentor. Taught me how to really make them look aesthetically better. Okay. Uh, I learned how to make my first Maryland bridge. This was before the bridge. This was before the machine even did the stuff. Oh yeah, I made a Maryland bridge, and it's the patient still has it. And I made it with the Sarek too. Um, So that that was kind of fun. Learned how to do porcelain cutbacks, and then within a year or two after that, they came out with a new model. Yeah. And I got busy enough to where I hired more people to work for me because when I first started my practice, I only had three people working for me, and then within five years, I had about eight people working for me. So on that note. So when you bought the practice, how many people were working there? Just three. Just three. And you had those same people five years later? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my goal whenever I hire anybody is uh, you retire when I retire. Okay. Uh, I don't hire someone for the short term. So I try to make sure that it's something that's stimulating, that I'm paying enough, and that they enjoy working for me. And I'm an easygoing guy. I'm just a big teddy bear anyways. Uh, matter of fact, Teresa, she still works with me today. Okay. From when you bought the practice? When I bought the practice. Wow. Most everybody that's been working for me has been with me for 15 to 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Good for you. Have, now we have 18 people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into that because I, I don't know. I want to talk about that. Okay. So you bought your CERC 2. Sounds like you upgraded to CERC 3. Yep. And then I realized within a very short period of time after the CERC 3 that I needed two of them because I wanted to have it to where someone was in hygiene, if they had a fractured tooth, that I could fix it that that that, that day. Visit, that day. And I didn't want to have it to where I kept on rolling machine back and forth. I'm very much organized to where one room is dedicated for what equipment's in that room. So okay. I bought a second one and uh, kept on growing, kept on growing. Uh, started uh, doing dabbling with implants a little bit. First started with the mini implants. Mm-hmm. Took my first course from um, Dr. Sundex. Mm-hmm. I think he invented the Sundex Mini Implant. So yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, that was down in New York City. And uh, started doing minis. Had some good results and had some not, not so good results. Uh, very picky on what you do with those particular implants. And st- I got more involved with the CEREC. I got really, actually, really involved with the CEREC. Uh, with Rich Masick, uh, was the president of like, the Academy of Cat Cam Dentistry. Okay, the ACCD. Um, did a bunch with that. Learned Learned a lot from that. Learned that setting up a, a dental meeting is very difficult. It's a lot of work. Very expensive. Yeah. Ended up probably about within five, ten years. About within ten years, I probably had four Cerecs at that time because I don't like moving around. Matter of fact, the Cerec uh, actually made it to where I got my daughter interested in becoming a dentist because she wanted to be a veterinarian forever. And then when she could finally see what the Cerec could do, and she liked all the gadgets because I love gadgets. And, uh, she went to dental school, and then I realized, okay, I need to move the practice because this the building I was in wasn't going to be big enough. So, How did you justify buying so many CERC machines? How did you grow your practice to the point you needed that? I realized that prepping the tooth, 10 minutes, uh, if I have a hygienist can numb up a patient, really my time in the chair was probably 10 minutes to prep and 10 minutes to bond. And I realized I could do three or four within three-hour period very easily. Were you doing the design and everything? At this oh, point? yeah. I, that's one thing I didn't give up. Um, I didn't let the girls do any of that stuff. Even today? Today, I'll let them glaze. Okay. Uh, but even today, I still like to design. 
uh, I do allow them to do the pre-op scan yeah, and sure. all that kind of stuff. Not with the Omnicam, it's so easy. I probably could let, especially uh, Tammy's been working for me forever. She probably could do it with her eyes closed and both hands tied behind her back because uh, she's watched me for the last 20 years. So you talked about when you joined the practice, is doing you know two hundred two hundred twenty five thousand dollars. You had grown it and within five six years to about a million dollars. And so at this point, when you need like three Seric machines or four Seric machines, uh, this is Redcam, I'm assuming. How much had you grown the practice since? Uh, well, we do about three and a half million now. Okay. So we, I mean, we keep pretty, yeah, we keep pretty busy. So here's what baffles me. We have a hard time getting some dentist to buy a single CAD CAM machine. And I've got Gene Messenger here who <laughs> just buys three or four of them. How are the two so opposite ends of the spectrum there? The, I've actually, I've had a lot of people ask me that. If I can see the, re, the return on investment, if it makes sense, then I do it. All I have to sell is time. If I can utilize my time and I'm not having to, to move the machine around and I can have it to where I have three or four milling units milling at the same time, that pays for themselves. Now I'm more apt to have it to where I'm doing a big case. I'll do a full mouth rehab and I might not have four acquisition units going, but I have four million million units going. Okay. Uh, It just, for some reason, uh, when lasers came out, I'm like, okay, I couldn't do this without a laser. This is what I can do with the laser. These are things that I wasn't offering before that I can offer that nobody else is doing. And so that's pretty much how I justify you know, getting into lasers, uh, getting uh, getting into implants. So you essentially looked at the potential that the technology provided you practice. I think the only thing that limits a person's potential is their own mind. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you can see it in your mind's eye, you can do it. You just got to believe in yourself. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So how many dentists? Are, I mean, are you by yourself there? I mean, North Adams. I mean, how many? I mean, what's the landscape like, dent- dentistry-wise? Well, when I first got there, there were probably about twelve dentists and a group of oral surgeons. Twelve dentists for fifty thousand people. Yeah. 
Forty to fifty thousand people. Okay. And now, uh, let's see. The orthodontist retired. Uh, he couldn't find anybody to replace him, so I started doing six months now. Okay. Uh, I do Invisalign. Then the oral surgeons have just left just recently, and uh, none of even when they were there, they weren't placing implants guided. I bought a Galileo seven but, years ago, and that was when things really, really, really changed because I absolutely love doing implants. I love doing it guided. Were you of, doing it before that? Oh, I was placing implants. I probably before the Galileo, I was probably doing maybe two to three hundred a year. Okay. But then when guided surgery, that really made sense. As a matter of fact, I was more excited over the Galileo than I was the CEREC because I could see, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. So then, even if you didn't use guided, at least you knew what you, you had, you had Superman x-ray vision, so you knew what you were getting into. I knew what I was getting into. And then that's when I decided, I had taken a few implant courses uh, over a span of five years, but I finally decided that I was really going to, I wanted to be the master of it. Uh, so I started taking some of Dr. Gar's courses. Yeah, so speaking of Arun Garg, yeah. implantseminars.com. Yeah. And he told me, he said, you didn't need to take the, the first continuum. He says, you've done more implants than people that have taken both my courses. And I said, no, I'm going to start with the basics. You know, find out, you know, the, some of the stuff that I was doing wrong before that I didn't know. And that was actually a really good experience. I mean, I had a pretty good foundation. He just made it to where... I felt very comfortable in any situation, and I felt like I could do a lot more procedures. So I went through the first continuum, went down to uh, Dominican Republic, placed like 25 implants the first time. So you did the live patient program? Then uh, I did the second uh, continuum. The masters? The masters, and went down and did about 15 sinus lifts and bone blocks and did a whole bunch of stuff with that, and that just builds confidence. Um, did you take any of your assistants or anything with you for that? No. Can you? Yes, you can. Should you? I think if you're going to be working with one particular girl, uh, I would definitely bring her just so she can see the experience. My girls, I've trained them so well, and because of the experience I had before, um, I brought some back, some of the stuff back that I learned from Dr. Gar. I'd love for them to go down to, to, during the sinus list and yeah. all that kind of stuff so they can have a better understanding on what I'm doing while I'm doing it. I explain a lot of it while I'm doing it, and I try to videotape some of it so they can actually look at it later. But I'll tell you what, that was one of the best uh, doing Dr. Gar's course. Yeah, the live patient is unbelievable. Phenomenal. I'm jealous I can't produce something like that. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a great, that's a great service, if nothing else, you know? He has an advantage because he's doing it in an area where they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. People are lined up out the door. Sure. And in the United States, it's really hard to be it's, able to do this. Some of attorneys. Yeah. <laughs> some of attorneys. attorneys. Yeah. And then I've had the ability that I did well enough down there where I've gone down and helped him train. Okay. And so you've become one of the mentors or yeah. leaders of that stuff. That's good. And How often do you do that? Uh, normally twice a year. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm supposed to go this next week. We were going to learn how to do vampire facials. Okay, yeah, with the PRP, PRF, yeah. But um, I'm a little too busy, so I'm actually going to go to Boston to because I bought another little toy. I bought one of those um, form labs. Oh, yeah, the printer? And uh, they have an all-day thing that I want to go to sure. just so I can do more than one surgical guide at one time. But I got it to where I'll be going in July, I think. I've, I've lined up a whole bunch of stuff because now that the oral surgeons have left, I'm actually going to go get training in IV sedation because there's nobody in our area that does that. And now if a patient needs to see the oral surgeons, you're looking four to six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, and do they have to go somewhere? To go somewhere. How far know, do they have to go? 45 minutes away. Okay, so they have to drive 45 minutes to an hour away. 
to some strange person yep. that they don't know. They have to wait so long to get in. So, uh, so you're being forced into some of these things. Out of necessity. Yeah. And that's one of the things about being in a rural area. Uh, one, less competition. But two, I want to make sure that, that I'm doing it at the top of my game. So I like to learn new stuff, and I like to be the best at it. Have you always been like that? Uh, yes. Okay, so if you were talking to, say, a new graduate, and you said that, you know, they, what does that mean? I mean, what, what, how do you do that? I mean, what are you doing to make that happen? What am I doing in order to... To make, be the best at what you're doing. Never, I mean, st- never stop learning and always ask questions. And hang out with people that are smarter than you. Yeah, you know, I say, um, I have this uh, saying, and it's not my saying, I've copied it from somebody, I'm sure, I've heard, that uh, you're the average of the five people you hang out with. You know, so if you hang out with stupid people, you're stupid. You know, if you hang out with unbelievably academic people, your mindset is academic. If you hang out with a diverse group of strong business people, smart people, things like that, that's kind of what you become. And um, so that's interesting that you say that. That's a, a good point for people to understand, that you got to ask questions. And don't be afraid to learn something new, like sleep hacking. Yeah. That's yeah. something I never thought I'd get involved in. I, you know, I dabbled a little bit, but now I had enough questions, and that's why I came to your course. Yeah. What made you come? Patients who have CPAP machines that aren't wearing them. Uh, we've had quite a few of them where the insurance companies were taking them back, but they still needed something, but they hated the CPAP machine. Why would the insurance company taking it back? Probably not non-compliance? Non-compliance. Yeah, so they, they don't wear it, they stop paying for it. I'm very fortunate. I've done six of them, and the success that I have, uh, the patients absolutely love them. And word of mouth is spreading to where I've got got a list of people when I get home that I'll be making some. What's taking you so long to get into sleep? So I'm involved doing this stuff with implants, probably. You know, I, it's interesting. You, you know, I've always been big on guided implants and all of this stuff. I would say that sleep has a bigger potential than implantology. I have to agree. And it's, uh, it's, that's what we're seeing at least. Now we're still doing more implants and sleep appliances, but the difference in implants is there's a lot of visits to those. Okay. And the other difference is with implants, and I'm not poo-pooing implants at all. Okay? Yeah. I mean, we still love doing that, but the difference is also it's totally a doctor driven procedure. It takes all my time. And with sleep, there's, there's significantly less doctor time. There's some management I got to do, some diagnosis and things like that, you know, some troubleshooting and handling I got to do. But for the most part, it's a assistant driven procedure. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into full arch implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all next fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too. 
teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course. It's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. What I'm learning is just like with anything else that you try to do, if you learn to set up the protocol and you follow that protocol, you can be successful at it. Yeah. When you deviate from that, that's where you end up having an issue when you think, oh, that didn't really work for me. But if you follow the protocol, you'll, well, you will have success. You know, it's interesting. I, I take it one step kind of forward and backwards from that. I would say what's always allowed me to be successful or different, I would say, is I go learn from people all the time, but then I make it my own in the sense that, you know what, Gene, you may do things one way, and too many people I, I find, even as an educator, is they get stuck in trying to do it my way. And I, I look at them and I say, listen, some of the things I do, you, just, you just can't do it my way. My, my personality and my mindset and the makeup of my practice allows me to do that. You've got to find a way that this fits into your lifestyle or your practice lifestyle. You can't just copy the way we're doing it. And I think ultimately that's what you're doing. You're taking the information, you're disseminating, and you say, what, how is this going to work in Gene Messenger's world? Because you know what your team's like, and you know what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them. And, and I think more people need to go into it a mindset of doing it that way, is, is understanding how is this going to flow in my practice. I agree, because you, you know, eventually whatever you take out of a class, you bring it back to your own, and then you have to kind of camouflage it in your environment. you got to Monday morning it, right? Right. I mean, too many times, it sounds like to me, what I would try to figure out from you is, how have you over the years, you've grown your practice by having a good patient base, by being a big teddy bear, by being friendly and, and fair to your patients, but at the same time, you know, there's so many people that have that opportunity. But there's so many people that haven't expanded their clinical scope of care because oftentimes they go to classes and they can't bring that information back. What's, what's been your key in that? I mean, how have you been able to take these classes and actually do it? When I bring it back, I get excited enough to where my staff is excited. If my staff's not involved, it ain't going to happen. And That's like at home. If your wife's not on board, you know, it's oh, not happening. Well, I wouldn't be half the man I am today if it wasn't for my wife. My wife has been my biggest cheerleader. Donna, correct? Yeah, Donna, yeah. She, uh, How long have you guys been married? 30, it'll be 33 years. She barely looks 33 years old, by the way. Oh, I know. I know. She has been a constant encouragement for anything that I do. Did you guys get married in dental school? No, we got married, uh, I was 18. She was oh, 19. Wow. She, uh, even though she looks way younger than me, she's actually older than me. Donna, if you're listening, Gene just, Gene just told us the secret. I would have never guessed it. So you guys got married essentially after high school. Right after high school. We met the first semester of college, and we were married a year later. Oh, wow. We had our daughter uh, three years after that. And then so in son, college. Yep. And then my son, we had uh, two years after that. So in dental school. In dental school, yeah. He was, he was The year before I uh, graduated from dental school, he was born. Wow. Yeah, it was a, uh, and they're great. And my daughter's now a dentist, so yeah. I did, I did something right. But you can't, you can't expect all your kids to do the same thing that you're doing. No, nor should you want that even. No, I wouldn't want them to be all mini me's. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. They, the, that's what, that's why we do the things we do, yeah. so we can spend more time with our kids. 
So what, what besides you being excited, okay, what are the other keys to taking, going, taking education and bringing it back? If, you, if I find the value in the education, if I can see that it's something that will help my patients, and if I can get my patients excited about it, it's really easy to go on to the next level and the patient accepts treatment readily. I always do things that I know that will help the patients in my area. I'm not going to go and probably do get a, a doctorate in vitamins. <laughs> there are some, some dentists that do that, and then they try to become a nutritionalist. Uh, I try to stick to the things that are really to the oral cavity. So well, you no, but it's, that's that's not a complete accurate representation of, of it, uh, Gene. I, I would say that you try to practice in your market. Uh, absolutely. Instead of marketing your practice. Okay. Yes. So you you understand or you get a feel of what works in your segmentation and your demographics in your area, and you know, and you bring that to the area and and you provide your practice. But you're also doing things that are unique to your market. I mean, it sounds like technology in general is new, unique to the gen to the, to your dental market. Oh, big time. In in Western Mass, there's 120 dentists, and I'm the only one that does anything with. A cone beam. I'm the only one that does anything with ceramic. I'm the only one that does anything with laser. We might have one. I had there was one dentist that he actually bought one of my old lasers, and he was an older gentleman, and he passed away. But it was so neat to get him excited about lasers, and he had actually just bought a ceramic, and he was in his seventies. And I, I remember this. He goes, he goes. I thought that I was going to retire. And this is when he was mm-hmm. sixty-seven. And he practiced up until he died. And he said, the most exciting time was when I got involved with Sarek and when I got involved with lasers. And so it was neat that even though he's 30 years older than me, I was at his mentor. He'd come down and ask me all kinds of questions. And I like to teach, too. So especially when you see that bright light just flash on above their head and they get it. Or you make a difference in their life. Yeah, or yeah, I make a difference. That's what drives me right now is, is you know, financially I'm doing well and... I'm fortunate. I'm not independently wealthy yet. Uh, I still got to work. Yeah. <laughs> yet, but I still got to work. But, you know, what really drives me is I want people to be better at the things I teach than me. Because there are some things my personality and my mentality will only let me get to. But I love it when I get when I get people and, and we show them new things and we share what we're doing and they just take it and really run with it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing better than me at it. I mean, that that's awesome, you know. And and I think that's unbelievably important is to help people achieve their best. Looking back, what would you say has been some of the best investments you made in your dental life? First one is my wife. Yeah. Because without her, I probably wouldn't be a dentist. She encouraged me from the very beginning. But um, I'd say the very first thing, definitely Sarah. Sarah, okay. Uh, second thing. So if somebody's considering CAD-CAM? Oh, absolutely. It's money you're already spending. When you send it to the lab, you eliminate a lot of obstacles because you're doing it yourself. And the only thing you have to sell is time. CEREC allows you to save a lot of time. Uh, but people for, don't see it that way. They think of it as a much longer procedure than what they're already doing. No, you can you can do a crown start to finish, custom stain and glaze an hour and a half, very okay. easily. Matter of fact, I can do three of them within three and a half hours on three different people. Yeah, because uh, you have the infrastructure to do that. Right. And it's something that you can learn and grow. I mean... You have to walk before you run. When I first started, it wasn't that way. I just, some of that I, I watched because I would go to a whole bunch of different uh, instructors and I would take something from each instructor and then I would bring it back. 
But like you said, you do make it your own. Because I did, I definitely did that. I, I went all over the country. Yeah, I would say Sarah was first. I'd say the second thing was probably the Galileo. Third, I would say, was really stepping forward with implantology. And I'd say the fourth thing, only because it's more personal with me, is the sleep apnea. Because I, I know I definitely have an issue with it. And I can see that it's going to be able to help me. So I'm, I'm excited that I can not only, you know, help somebody, but I can help somebody telling them, I learned this and I, it helped me. And now I want to show you how I was helped. I think that's probably, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm more excited than I have been even with Sarek and the Galileo because I, I don't have any implants. I do have a couple Sareks, but the sleep apnea is something that... It hits home. It, it, it hits home. That's how time. I got into yeah. it. My wife made me get a sleep test when she was in residency, in medical, you know, medical residency, and I needed a CPAP. And nobody explained anything to me. They just told me, hey, you need a CPAP. I'm like, okay. And I wore it, and I was like, God, I feel so much better. I mean, I felt so good. And then, you know, six months later, I'm not wearing it all that often. And the next thing you know, my wife moves out of the room with me, you know, and, and she's sleeping in another room. And, you know, this was 10, 12 years ago. And I was like, this isn't really what I thought married life was going to be, you know. <laughs> so I was like, I got to figure out a solution. And and I saw this thing from Glidewell where they have the anti-snoring stuff. And I made one of those and it worked. And then, you know, I got a sleep apnea device made. And I was like, wow, this is nearly as effective as my CPAP. And um, I feel better with it. So why wouldn't I bring this to my patients? And um, and then, you know, I, I struggled with it in the beginning because nobody could afford to pay $2,000, $3,000 for these appliances. And that's when I learned about medical billing. And when we put medical billing into our practice for uh, just overall for sleep, I mean, just the sleep took off. I mean, it just made it, you know, made it so much easier, so much easier for patients to say yes, took away a lot of the barriers. And we really are getting close to having to really fine-tune that workflow to where it's um, it's dialed in. That's one of the main reasons why I came this weekend is because the big thing was the cost. And then having it to where the medical pays for it, it makes it to where you're not taking away from dental. Right. And what's really cool is I learned that you can also bill some of the stuff that you used to bill for dental. Yeah. For other things that you do in the office, you can you can learn you can learn how to bill them to medical. So what Gene's talking about, not trying to have a commercial, is is I wanted you know this was my I had this idea. So this course came about because uh, we we've been selling out our medical billing courses, we've been selling out our sleep apnea courses. And what people have been telling me is they want them both together. So we did one last year. It was four days, and I was just beat at the end of it. And some of the people that came to it were beat at the end of it. And I said, you know what? I think we can combine this and make it three days. And um, so what we have now is what we call the Super Weekend, where it's a combination of medical billing and sleep apnea. And I learned some things this weekend, some things we can adjust. And uh, But I think it's almost – I almost want to only do it this way, Gene. Because I don't think you can be successful with sleep apnea without the medical billing component. And I think also learning the CTs and exams and all that stuff really enhances the practice. So, you know, any cone beam practice or Sarah, especially any Sarah and cone beam practice, you know, I'd invite you to, to, to visit our website, 3d-dentist.com or tbonespeaks.com and just learn about our super weekend and see if it's the right fit for you. But, uh, 
Uh, Gene will tell you it's fun. You know, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. It's excellent. You definitely have to bring your office manager and yeah. your primary assistant. Yeah. So, so the way we're doing it now, in fact, it's mandatory that. Uh, well, how about this? I can't say anything's mandatory. The fee includes everybody. Okay. So whether you bring them or don't bring them, it's the same fee. And uh, so, uh, so I'm. I believe in success. I mean, I'm not in it for people's money. Okay. Um, I'm in it to really make a difference. And I know that just teaching the dentist something will not make a difference. It only works if you bring your front office billing person. And your lead assistant, that's going to be a champion and let us, let us do our thing and we'll teach you. And listen, I enjoy having people over to the house for dinner and stuff. It's good a lot to, of fun to meet the family and stuff. And, uh, you know, like I, I took a few of us went out to the basketball game for my kid yesterday. So that was fun. But, uh, anyway, enough of that. What has not worked for you? What are the things that you struggle with? Uh, the one thing I struggled with was the lab. Okay. Uh, that was something where I didn't have control over it. And I was relying on people that, that I really couldn't rely on. That was probably, I'd say that's a failure, but that was a, a painful growth curve. But I'm glad I went through it because it really pushed me into CEREC. I'm very fortunate. I haven't had too many failures. I'm very blessed that way. Well, I think also, I think one of the reasons that is, is just willing to work hard. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I wish I could do, I wish I could work a little bit less. Well, you can. Oh, I can. I just, I don't know what I would do. What does it take to get there, Gene? What is it going to take to get you to work less? Probably another associate. All right. So, okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty of your practice structure, okay? So you recently moved to a new place. Yeah. Like four or five years ago, right? Actually, seven years ago next week. Okay, so seven years ago you bought a new building, new place. It's unique. I need to come visit it. It's 14,000 square feet. Yep. On uh, how many, 15 acres? 15 acres. You have a tennis court? Yep, tennis court, uh, pool, uh, in-ground pool. We have a basketball court. You have like a river or a creek or something like that? Oh, yeah, there's a, got a pond and a creek, and every animal that you can think of comes down and visits all our patients. I'm backed up to a mountain, so there's nothing behind me for two mountain ranges. So it's amazing. We'll see all kinds of animals. They'll walk down if they're hunting up on the mountain, We'll have 10 deer that are down between all the patients' cars because they're smart enough to know that if we're down between the cars, the, the hunters can't get them. It's pretty amazing. Wild turkey, lynxes, uh, bear. I had to go out and chase a bear off the property. Because, alligators? No alligators. No, none of that. Kangaroos? No, no, no. But it's, it's, it's a beautiful spot. And, uh, what made you do that? I needed more room. You needed uh, 15 acres? No, it just it, it came with the property. <laughs> I happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And the staff had grown to where now I have 18 people. So let's talk about that. 18 people. I have, uh, uh, let's see, five assistants, five full-time assistants. I have four hygienists. I have an office manager. I have a bookkeeper. I have three girls at the front desk. I have a general dentist as an associate, and I have a periodontist as an associate. And I was trying to find an orthodontist, but hard to get someone to come up where it snows and it's cold. and Yeah. So it's not a big city. 18 people. How do you handle that? A lot of trust. Everybody has responsibilities. And most of my staff have been with me for almost 20 years or, or more. And we work together as a family. They are my family. They cry, I cry, and I spoil them and they spoil me. It's a good relationship. Works out really well. How's your wife involved in your office? 
Well, my wife, um, since our ki- since my kids have moved away, uh, and because the building is so big, she has a messenger. It's called Messenger Beauty Escape, and she has a full spa downstairs. Um, Do you have the deer nibble on people? The deer no. No, <laughs> no. no she uh, we we have them outside her door sometimes. It's yeah. amazing the animals, uh, blue herrings. You should see some of the stuff that we have there. So, what is your wife doing there? Uh, she does laser hair removal. Um, she does facials. She does. Um, she's a trained esthetician. Oh, she's a trained esthetician. How long um, has she been doing trained esthetician? Oh, two years. Two years. Okay, she went back to school for this. Oh yeah, she. Matter of fact, she's like me. She likes to learn, so she's normally gone at least once a month where she's learning something new. Her big thing she's doing now. She does the microblading. So okay. women that are missing, you know, their eyebrows eye and stuff. Okay. She does permanent tattoos. Um, She's going to get ready to get involved in women that have gone through um, breast cancer uh, and doing the tattooing to make it look like their breasts are back to normal. That's something that she just wants to do, and she won't even charge for that. So do you see a benefit to your practice for having this? Oh, yeah, because I do Botox and Dermafil. How'd you get into that? What do you not do? Well, what I I prefer not to see kids because I'm so sensitive. If they cry or if they wiggle or squiggle... I have a really difficult time with that. They start to cry, I start to cry, and just emotionally. Do you do dentures? I do dentures. Partials? Partials. Implants? Implants. Ortho? Ortho, endo. Perio? Oh, you got a periodontist? Honest, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so if I come to your practice, I literally have no reason to go anywhere else? No. Even if you were going to have your wisdom teeth taken out, the periodontist can do that. What about IV sedation? You offer sedation? I'm actually going to start taking courses this summer for that because our oral surgery group left. Wow. Yeah, it, makes it, it makes it to where the area has made it almost demands it because the patients don't want to travel 45 minutes to an hour to see somebody or on top of it have to wait four to six months to get something taken care of. You know what I love about what you're talking about, Gene, is you create it to a certain degree – you know, I just, it's, I'm almost going to contradict myself here, but you certain, to a certain degree, create some of your market. You couldn't have grown your practice to what it is now by just doing fillings and crowns. No. I had to create something that was different than everybody else and to show that it was better. And if it's high tech gadgets, uh, I call them gadgets. It, well, there are gadgets. Yeah. The toys. The to- yeah. That I get to write off. Um, it's technology. You know what my dad says about write-offs? What? He says, we've been led to believe that write-offs make it free. Uh, yeah. Right? So, like, I, the other day I was doing something and my friend goes, well, at least you can write it off. I'm like, dude, write-offs still cost me money. I mean, still, I got to write the money off. I just don't pay. I just, quote-unquote, save in taxes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not even like I get money back still. It's, it's So, we've been somehow, we've been led to believe that a write-off is... I mean, it's a good thing, but we've been led to believe that, oh, it's a write-off. Like, that's free, right? And, and it's not. Yeah, I, I won't buy something because of a write-off. I'll, if I can see the value in it, the return of investment. Yeah. If I can see if it's going to make something easier for me to do than the way I was doing it before. Or even more enjoyable. Oh, actually, a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. And the patients, I'm very excited about what I do. Even with the Syracuse, and I've done it for almost 20 years. The patients, you know, they see my excitement and then they get excited. And I'm like, look, and I'll tell them I've done probably a million of these, but look at, look how pretty this is. Look how crisp the margins are. How often do you take Sarah training? 
Every year, yep. I'm at it. Matter of fact, I've signed up for a class out uh, in Scottsdale. Okay. Uh, I've gone out there quite a few times over the years. Even after 20 years, you continue. That's amazing. You continue to take education. See, it's laughable to me, Gene. I meet so many people who are complaining about how their practices aren't growing, or how their market is shrinking, or how quote-unquote, corporate dentistry is taking over and how it's the death of dentistry. And all these people have a few things in common. They don't try anything new. They don't learn anything new. They don't take education. And honestly, at the end of the day, the beauty in this country in general is if you take education, you will constantly learn and grow and your business will do better. Yeah, a lot of people think that if they take one course, like, okay, I don't have to take anything else. That's like planting a flower and thinking, okay, if I plant it, it's going to grow. Year after year after year. you got to give it nutrition. you got to water it. you you got to talk to it. It constantly needs attention. And to think that, you know, if you're going to, oh, I bought a Sarek and I've been doing it for so long. The old adage, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe that. I believe that I'm going to learn something from somebody else because their experience is a little different than mine. And that's one of the reasons why I like going to courses. And sometimes I'll get two conflicting yeah, sure, of things. Course. And then what I do is I assess what I learned from this person. You're going to take, take a little bit from each place. Yeah, and that's the best way to do it. And if you ever stop learning, you stop growing. You're dying. You're dying. I, I, I agree that with the, 100%. 100%. You what would it. you tell somebody coming out of school today? What did you tell your daughter coming out of school? Hell, she just graduated school, what, three, four years ago? Yep. Uh, uh, well, actually, what I did tell her, I said, uh, Peanut, I said, you cannot think that just because you got done with school that your education's done. I said, in all actuality, it just started. Yeah. It's I mean, in school, they teach you the basics. Yeah. I mean, they teach you how to pass the board exam, ultimately. Yeah. Right? And the, the, her foundation, the uh, foundation you learn in dental school is just a foundation. Um, you, just, you have to keep growing. And if you if you if you go and you learn new things, you get you stay excited about what you're doing, and you don't mind working extra hours. And if you're like oh like an Eeyore, your staff's going to be like an Eeyore, and eventually your practice will die. But if you have it to where I get this comment from patients all the time, it's always happy here. Someone is always laughing, no matter where I go. Well, you have 18 people. <laughs> I hope that somebody's laughing. There, there's always somebody laughing, and we're, we always try to have a good time. And part of that is, you know, teaching, you know, someone goes to a hygienist, goes to a course and learned about something new. Matter of fact, last week she said, hey, there's this new nasal spray. Instead of giving upper injections, you, mm-hmm. can, you can spray it. And I said, I trust her enough to where I said, well, then order it. Let's try it. Let's try it. Don't be afraid to try new things. And what's the worst thing that happens when you try something and it doesn't work? You lose a little money and time. Right. But, 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 or, but you don't miss out on an opportunity. Right. Or what you can do is you can learn, okay, this is something that really works well in my hands. And uh, that was one of the things when I did, Sarah, because I had read about it in dental school. Yeah. Uh, uh, 1987, I read the, the, journal, the Jada magazine. Yeah. I remember the magazine talking about this dentist over in Germany that was doing all this and you know, I brought it to my professor and uh, Dr. Bill Patrick, and he says, "Oh well, yeah, that's that that won't last." And that was back in 1987, and now look at where it's at. Yeah, 30 years later. So, I feel blessed that uh, I absolutely love what I do. You know, they just came out with USA Today that dentistry is ranked the number one job to have, which has been number one for a while. You know, I don't agree with them. 
I think being a PGA Tour professional oh. would probably be number one. But uh, that's that's just me. And maybe President of the United States. That seems like a fun job these days. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go there. <laughs> well, you know me. I, I like to create a little controversy. So what's next for Gene Messenger? What's, what, what's the next thing that you're learning? Where do you see your practice needing to evolve to? Well, the, the, the thing that I'm excited about right now is really sleep apnea. Okay. And I really want to get a good grasp on it. And, um, Did we help you this weekend with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It actually got me more excited about it. it. made me realize, I mean, I've been snoring for years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just snore. I'm a little overweight. Were you shocked that over 50% of the people we tested were sleep apnea? I was shocked. I thought, I thought it was going to be 20 to 30. I knew mine was going to be hot. Well, yeah, we can predict me and you, okay? Yeah. I mean, that's not that hard. We like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my wife even said... Yeah, but know. we're also open and share that we snore like crazy. Oh, yeah. Classic signs and symptoms. But 50% of our class, and our classes was a good socioeconomics. Yeah. We weren't full of fat people or skinny people. We had both. And we had a lot of women. Yeah, we had a lot of women. And which wasn't what it was supposed to be. Women normally don't have the issues as much as men. I thought, I thought it'd be... It's eye-opening, wasn't it? It was very eye-opening. Yeah, so it makes you think what you're missing in your practice. Matter of fact, I know I'm missing a bunch. Now I just want to be able to go home and kind of regurgitate some of what what I had, what what we learned this weekend. And And here's the good news. You can send some of your team members back. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we we have an audit program. You can come back with the audit. You can send team members. I know in the beginning we don't let team members come without the doctor. But now once the doctor's been through, you can send other team members if you want. Um, You know, we have our Facebook group, for a private Facebook group for follow-up. And then obviously got email. I've always been good with that. And Aaron's good with that. And Hutan is as well. And uh, so, you know, what I really liked this weekend, Gene, was that we really – for the first time, I feel like we put it all together where we've got the medical billing, we've got the, you know, we've got the science of it, we've got the technology part of it, we've got, we, we're kind of giving everybody all the little pieces. And certainly we can't make people experts overnight. Right. And sleep is such a wide field that you can't become an expert that quick, you know, but we gave people a, a good starting point, you know, red light, green light, yellow light, you know, the concepts of that. And uh, so, so it's what, good. It's a wonderful catalyst. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, the other thing I like, I mean, I'm not trying to talk about that stuff too much, but I am, uh, is I have my team members here. So too often you hear speakers, or I, at least I, when I hear them, I'm like, they're not really doing that in their practice. This is some BS nonsense. You know, but you can go downstairs to the office and see. You can ask my assistant if I'm telling you bullshit. Okay, excuse my language. You can ask my medical biller if, what the, if we're doing fraudulent stuff. Yeah. You know, and so you have that ability to get in behind the scenes and see what's happening. And, and they'll share the good and the bad with you. I have nothing to hide. And what was really cool is not only your staff was here, but other speakers, yeah. their staff were here. Yeah. And uh, that was, it was a little more eye-opening. So you got to talk to even more people. Yeah. Maybe when not during class and you could ask questions. Uh, yeah. I think it lends credibility at yeah. the end of the day. I questioned so much when I used to go hear speakers. I mean, are they really doing it? You know, not are they practicing dentistry or not. I'm like, are they really, I mean, are the techniques that they're talking about from a business side really practical, you know? And and so, yeah, we're doing it and, you know, I want to share. And, you know, for me, I want my team members to start teaching. I mean, I, I, I just want to sit in the back and make jokes, you know? <laughs> I just, I want Liz to teach. I want Melissa to teach. I want all these other people to do this stuff because they're the ones doing the stuff in my practice. So it's a lot of fun. So what questions you got for me? Anything, Gene? Where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) 
Boy, that is a good one. All right, let's, let's make it simple. No, no. How do you see yourself in a year? In a year, I'll probably still be here in this position. I think my goal for 2017 is, one, uh, to significantly reduce the number of fillings I'm doing. Um, number two, I really want to focus on getting a little bit more time with my kids. I'm down to three days a week in the practice seeing patients, but I'm, I'm teaching essentially what boils down to two to three days a week. So it's a five or six day work week with a lot of travel, you know, 18 to 20 times a year I travel out. Uh, so my, my big goal this year is to not really move forward financially or practice wise necessarily. It's more to get more organized. Um, I'm really in a point and, and it pains me to say this, but I'm at a crossroads with my practice in the sense of do I want to continue to grow my practice size wise because I'm not able to give it the attention that it needs at that point? Or do I want to constrict my practice in the sense of almost specialize my practice a little bit more? And I don't want to do that. I still want to be the PPO dentist. I want to utilize that. I want to be able to relate to 90% of the population out there, dental population at least. Uh, so, so that's a challenge I'm having right now. It's finding the, the right team that can help lead the practice, figuring out if I'm ready for a partner. Because I think my part, my practice needs a partner because it needs a little bit more TLC and a little bit more dedication, you know, like leadership dedication. Because you're spread thin. You're spread thin. I'm spread I mean, I'm not thin, but I'm spread thin, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm spread thin, you know. I have got. I want to get more involved in my dad's business with the motels and stuff, the hotels and stuff. And, you know, my wife has her practice and we're opening a second office for her and we want to open a rehab center. So I, I think in five years, I may not be practicing. I'm not saying that's my goal, but, you know, and, and I want to say this humbly. I think there's something bigger out there for me. I think, um, I think I have a, I have a gift of helping people and touching people and I want to do something bigger and it's not financially bigger. It's, there's just something bigger out there. I just feel it and I sense it. And I, I, I feel stupid saying it, but I just want something bigger. I feel like I have a, I just have this opportunity to help people, um, and I just want to do it. I've got to figure out what it is. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, it's the first time in my life where I'm not crystal clear on what exactly it is I want. And I think that's why I'm struggling internally right now, because I'm not absolutely crystal clear on what I want. Uh, but it'll come to me. I know it. Do you know how old are you? Forty-one. I go. Uh, I, I have to agree. I'm, uh, I ask you what I would, what, what you would do in the next five years. I kind of like to have it to where I was more specialized, just doing yeah. implants, sir, and probably sleep apnea. And you can't be working six days a week, dude. No, yeah, I, I want to slow that down too. So you got to do that, you know. And you have the patient base. Your patients will love you. They'll try. Here, here's another thing I've learned or experienced. Let's say. Because we have this egotistical feeling in our head that if we bring on associate, our patients won't see that. And here's the truth of that. Your patients love you and trust you so much that when you authorize and gift them the right to see your associate, and when you say that, you know, hey, I wouldn't have this person here if I didn't feel that they were the right fit, that they'll happily see them. Not all of them will, not right. you know, and not all of them should, right? And for all procedures, but we have this feeling in our heads that we can't that that that's the challenge. 
And quite honestly, I think patients trust you and your team enough to where if you're on board and you believe, they'll go. Your patients will, they followed you through this journey that you've been on now, right? Yeah. And, and they continue. I mean, when you got technology and you change your practice that drastically from what your patients were experiencing for all that time, they loved you and trust you and went with it, right? Okay. When you added Botox, like why is the world as a dentist doing Botox and fillers, right? Why in the world is all of this happening? When you moved locations, your patients went with you. So your patients show this ability to trust you. And I think in our heads, we feel that they trust us too much to the sense that they won't see somebody that you trust. Uh, so it's, they do, they'll, they'll see your associates. I promise you. I've seen, I've seen that happen when my daughter was working for me. Yeah. That one was very natural. But when my daughter joined the army, when I hired And how is your daughter any different than an associate at the end of the day? You know, I mean, she's your daughter. I yeah. get that. But she, just because you're a great dentist, it doesn't mean your daughter's a great dentist. Her personality was a lot like mine. Yeah. So that worked out really well. And the new associate, there are people that prefer to see me, but most of them, they trust my judgment. And I have to tell the patient, look, even when I hired the periodontist, and I said, look, I trust this periodontist. This is what he does. And the patient, you know, was ready to say, no, I really, I'd much rather you do the surgery. And I said, I said, look, I will sit here and hold your hand while he does the surgery. I think he's better than I am. Yeah. That's why I want him to do that. That's amazing. You know, you know what? You know when I get the best compliments in my practice is when I tell somebody I'm no good at something. The other day I had a patient come in and she's like, "Can you take out my wisdom tooth?" I'm like, "No, you don't." I'm like, "You don't want me to? Do you want me to struggle at it and sweat on you for three hours, or do you want to go to my surgeon and he'll be done in twenty minutes?" And she's like, "Wow, that's so refreshing to hear. Thank you." And you know, it's it's, it's those those hum, you know humbling moments where you show humility. That I think your patients love you. Like I have patients, I say, listen, you don't want me to do this. Yeah. You know, or well, the other day I had a lady come in, I said, listen, your story doesn't jive with me. I literally said, listen, you're telling me that the dentist ruined you and you want me to fix what I can't fix. I said, listen, I don't want to work on you. And then she said, why? I said, you know, quite honestly, because I think you're, I think, I think you're tough yeah. and I don't want to, I don't want to be married to you. I went to a course and the, the instructor said, you're not truly a professional until you've learned to tell a patient no. And that's when you're truly a professional. Yeah. You have to know your limitations. You're not truly a professional until you learn to tell a patient no. That's the most important thing we've said today. Honestly. You're not truly a professional until you learn to tell a patient no. I think, Gene, we should end it on that. That's too good. Thank you for being here. Thanks for supporting me in my courses. You know, uh, I love you, buddy. Yeah, always. And uh, I, I'm assuming I'll see you in Vegas this year for, oh, see, for Dent Splicer on the World. Of course. And uh, you think you're going to win another jackpot? <laughs> Every time uh, you're there, you win a jackpot, I'm dude. So I'll t- tell your wife and, and, and Peanut and everybody I said hello, okay? I sure will. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. 
This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode. 